The words for our, our focus this morning are the words we heard just a few moments ago, so I'm not going to reread them from our gospel lesson from, from St. John. So you'll see it both, uh, well, you'll, you can see it in your, your service folder as you go through it, uh, if you'd like to refer back to those. Is there anything more hard on your eyes than walking out of a movie theater? Right? You're sitting in the darkness, and while there's a movie going on, there is certainly some light, but for the most part, your eyes have adjusted to that darkness, and you walk out into the hallway, and it's a, a little brighter, but, but not overly bright. It's not as though you're suddenly squinting until you hit that exit door, right? You hit the exit door on the theater, and suddenly, unless you're at a, a midnight matinee or something, the first thing you have to do is this, right? Because your eyes have not adjusted to that brightness. Your, your, your pupils have, have dilated to let as much light in as possible, and suddenly, they're overwhelmed with the amount of light. In fact, it might even hurt a little bit, right? Just as your eyes try to quickly adjust to the, the vast amount of light that you are now being exposed to. The reverse is true, right, as well, isn't it? That our, our eyes at night, our, our, our pupils dilate and they open wide in order to let as much light in as possible so that if perchance you have to get up in the middle of the night, you aren't stumbling around in, in darkness, but because your eyes have adjusted, they're able to see the things that are in your path, as long as there's some light, right? Of course, if, if there isn't any light at all, your pupils could dilate as much as they want, and you're still not going to be able to see. You can think of like a cave, Right? You, you go into a cave, you turn your lights off, and, and you can have your nose or your hand touching your nose, and you're still not going to be able to see it. It's a, a wonderful blessing that God has created us the way that he did that enables our eyes to adjust to, to lightness and darkness as quickly as they do to enable us to see in, in, in a number of different situations and circumstances, huh? There's a, there's a kid's story that talks about adjustment as well, right? About how if you want to boil a frog, you don't throw him into boiling water, but instead you, you put him in a pot that's, that's warm, and then you slowly turn it up, and he just adjusts to the, the temperature of the water and doesn't even really notice it until, well, he's boiled and it's time to eat. I suppose you could say there are certainly those things in life that, well, we can adjust to, but that might not be so good to. You can think of just how God talks to us in his word as followers of Christ in how he wants us to interact with the world. And as he describes that, he often uses words of warning, right? There are certainly the words of encouragement that say, as a child of God, this is how I want you to live. But oftentimes along with it come a word of, of warning because, well, we have a sinful heart. 
We have a sinful heart, and, and with that sinful heart are, are living in a world filled with, with other sinners. And the danger is, is that you and I could begin to adjust to that sinful world and listen to our sinful heart and completely forget about what God's Word has told us. It's really quite easy to get used to the spiritual darkness of the world and of our own hearts. Right? You can look at, at how, how easy it is for you and I to begin to rationalize our sin. Right? We can look at the things that we've done and we might be able to look back and say, yeah, I know that wasn't good or that wasn't right, but the only reason I did it was, and you can fill in the blank, Right? I normally wouldn't do this, but in essence, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to justify and rationalize sin that I have, I have done in, in, in rebellion against God and said, for this reason, this is okay. It's exactly what we hear from the world. It's exactly what the devil tempted Adam and Eve to do in, in the Garden of Eden. Or maybe another example. Think of, think of all the times you've struggled with priorities in your life. Of just keeping God first and foremost. It's a struggle, isn't it? It's a constant struggle because we have a sinful heart and a sinful world that tells us that there are other things that are more important that, that, that scream for our attention. And because of that, as children of God, it's hard to keep God first and foremost in our life. That sinful heart and the sinful world we live in wants more than anything for us to ignore the things that God has told us in his word to ignore that good news of a, of a savior from sin and instead just do what the world does. And if we're not careful, it's easy for the spiritual darkness of the world and our sinful flesh, our sinful heart, to pull us away from our savior. It's what God recognized about his people, right? We heard about that last week, that, that the way you begin to prepare the way for, for the Savior to come was, well, he had to address well, the sinfulness of the, the people's hearts. John the Baptist had the same job in front of him, right? As he was preparing the way for the Savior, he was speaking to people living in darkness. There were certainly some among the Israelites who knew and understood and were looking forward to that promise of a, of a Savior. But there were plenty of others who had a misguided and, and misunderstood notion of what that Savior was going to do, and because of that, were living in darkness. There were some who thought that that Savior that was going to come was going to be a political one who was going to, to take Israel back to, quote-unquote, the good old days of David and Solomon, where the, the kingdom would be expanded and Israel would be a force to be reckoned with, if not just respected. There were those who, who looked at the Messiah and said, yes, there's one that's coming, 
But as they listened to the Pharisees and the religious teachers, it was more of a, of a Messiah in name rather than a, a Savior who was going to come to actually save them from sin. And so what they would hear from the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and the Sadducees was one in which you'd say, you obey God's law and you do the very best that you can and God's going to save you because, well, you're an Israelite. You're a child of Abraham. They were living in darkness. So how do you take somebody who's living in darkness and help them see the, the light of the truth? Well, listen to what John the Baptist did, right? He took them back to God's word. He pointed out to them how, well, by their very actions, they were living in darkness. And he pointed out to them how their, their priorities had been misplaced, how they had a, this wrong idea of the Messiah. But, but even more than that, in talked in, in just general terms, he addressed their spin, sin specifically. In fact, in the Gospel of Matthew, he talks to, talks to them, and, and it, it was a rather mixed crowd that was coming out to John the Baptist because there are Roman soldiers who ask, as they, they hear John the Baptist preach, say, well, what, what should we do? And they say, well, stop cheating. Or, he talks to tax collectors. and says, stop taking more than you should. God's Word has a tendency to do that, doesn't it? That as we read and study and hear God's word, God's word shows us that we are in darkness. Now, understand what I'm saying there. Because that darkness isn't the darkness of necessarily unbelief, like some of the Israelites were living in. But if we don't recognize that we have a, a sinful nature, a heart that, that looks for every opportunity to rebel and ignore God's word, and that there isn't a bit of darkness living in us, well, we need to hear that warning. God's word reminds us that even as children of God, we have to be aware of the darkness of sin because it, because it exists in our life. And not just in general platitudes of, well, I, I should probably be careful about rationalizing my sin or, or be aware of the priorities that God has, has given me, but be able to begin to take those things like God's word does and apply them to specific portions of my life and say, boy, the, the anger I expressed at my children or at my spouse, that was sin. That was the darkness of my heart just coming through in a way that I didn't want it to. It means that the lack of patience and perhaps then the, the snap replies that I made to people because I wasn't patient. Well, that was sin. And that was that darkness coming through. And I can try to rationalize it and say, well, I was tired or I was stressed out but it doesn't change the fact that it was sin. Right? I can look at the opportunities I've had to, to show love to, to my neighbor, to my co-workers, to my spouse, to my children, and I can see all the different opportunities I've had that I've missed, 
And I could try to excuse every last one of them, but finally, anytime I show a lack of love towards any of them, God tells me what it is. It's darkness. It's sin. And it doesn't take much for you to begin to dig into Scripture and see that that the messengers of God tell us quite clearly what happens if that darkness continues to grow in our life. Ultimately, it grows to an eternal darkness. Where because of that sin, we can end up separated from God and his love and his light eternally. And that's not what God wants. Right in the Old Testament, he sent prophet, prophets like Ezekiel who said, what I want is for the wicked to not perish, but to, to live with me forever. Right, he sent messengers like the Apostle Paul who said that it's the will of God for, for everyone to believe and to come to a knowledge of, of their Savior and live with him forever. What God wants is for everyone to be saved and to come to a knowledge of that truth. And so he sends messengers with God's word. God's word that not only reveals to them where they stand and the darkness that is part of their life, but God's word that points us to Jesus, the true and only light. Right, as John the Baptist was preparing the way for the Savior, he said, I'm not the Messiah. I'm not the prophet. I'm not Elijah come back from the dead. I'm the one God promised through the prophet Isaiah who's going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. I'm not the light, but I'm here to get you ready because the light is here. And he pointed out to people that, that light that was coming into the world. He pointed out to them and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Right? As, as you and I hear that message that John the Baptist was proclaiming to people 2,000 years ago who, need, who lived in darkness and needed to hear about the light, we hear John the Baptist point out to us, Look, there is the one. There is the light who not only reveals to you your sin, but the one who came to do something about it. There is the one who brings light into this dark world and who banishes the darkness from your heart. There, Jesus, is the one who with his perfect life covers all of your sin and makes you perfect before God. There, in the, the light of that Savior, is the one who, who sheds his life on the cross and with his blood pays for every last one of your sins. Who drives out darkness and assures you that your sin is forgiven. Right there, in that Savior, the one that God had promised for ages to come, is the one who who not only dies, but rises again. So that even the darkness of death isn't something we need to fear. 
the light who, well, who describes himself as I am the light of the world. John was there preparing people because the light of the world had come. And you and I now have the, the privilege and the hindsight to be able to look back and hear John the Baptist's message and say, boy, because, because of Jesus, I can see. And what's even more impressive is that now God calls you and I to be messengers, just like John the Baptist. Because we brush up each and every day with a sinful world and sinners who live in a sinful world who don't see what you and I do. Who don't have that same comfort and encouragement and strength to, to, to make it through a day living in a dark world surrounded by the darkness of sin and unbelief and who have to each and every day deal with the darkness that lives in our own heart but the difference is that you and I have a way to deal with it, don't we? You and I have a way to deal with it because we know the light. The light has come into our life and banished the darkness and forgiven our sins and made us his children. And now that light calls you and me to take that light into the world. To be light bearers, light reflectors, whatever the picture is you'd like to use. And so during the season of Advent, as we look forward to celebrating our Savior's first coming, and we look with eager anticipation for our Savior's return, we continue to pray that our Savior would shine on us. And through his word, reveal the darkness that is in our hearts. And with that same light, continue to take us back to the forgiveness that he has won for us. And then as that Savior shines on us, he asks us, we ask that he would make us bold. To be bold in sharing that light with a dark world. Lord, shine on us. Amen. And the peace of God, which goes beyond our understanding, will guard and will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.